Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another week of Big 12 football is in the books. TCU, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, K-State picking up some significant victories when it comes to the race for the Big 12 championship as we get going. A rough weekend for the new schools in the Big 12 conference, but we're focusing on the positives tonight as we begin here. This is the Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. You guys can find us wherever you all get your podcasts and here on YouTube as well. Like the video. First thing is first, like the video and subscribe if you all have not done so already. So we are still going to break things up as positives and negatives. Um, You know, the negative schools we're going to focus on and focus on are going to be Texas Tech, are going to be Baylor, which we've done some negativity on them already. But like, I mean, seriously hit on them. And then Oklahoma State's going to get lumped in there as uh, as well. But positive days for some members of the Big 12 Conference when it comes to talking about who is going to contend for a championship in this league. And let's begin first where the day began with the Oklahoma Sooners, who got to 3-0, or 4-0 rather, thanks to a 20-6 effort against the Cincinnati Bearcats. Now, this was a lit atmosphere. It was a crazy, exciting game. What kind of you know situation? I guess you could say, um, and it really felt like Cincinnati had a chance early on to be competitive, but their offense just sucked. I mean, what how else do you want to say this, guys? Their offense was terrible today, despite the fact that they racked up 376 yards of offense. They had costly, costly turnovers in this game. They were terrible on third down, three of 15. They were one for four on fourth down. And Emory Jones just, he is not good enough to be a functioning power five starting quarterback. I thought Jahan J. Araja laid that out earlier in the day in a tweet. And I, I think it you know, is kind of true. I mean, that pit game, the reason why that pit game felt so exciting in some ways is because it was an aberration because it was like, wow, we have not seen this before. If Emory Jones is in fact this gentleman, then we have to kind of readjust our expectations for what Cincinnati can be. But that was not the fact. 
And the big fact is this, that if Oklahoma's defense can make plays like they did today, now they have to spin it forward, they have to apply it to other places, but if they can make plays like they did today, and they can manage a game like they did today on offense, uh, you know, because I mean, I think that Cincinnati defense, they were, they were motivated, they were ready to play. Like if they handle environments like that today, they're going to be in pretty good shape. And look, was it the most impressive performance I have seen? No, but for them in a spot where I don't think they get knocked off, but just to be in control of the game the way they were the entire time, it never felt like that game was going to get sideways. And they outscored uh, Cincinnati. I know they didn't do it by a lot, but they did it in every single quarter, right? So that continual grinding out. And I don't know if Oklahoma is going to be miles better than they were last season, but here's what I can say. They're pretty meaningfully better than they were last year. I feel confident in saying that right now they are taking meaningful steps. And for that program, that's big. Now, do I feel as good about them as I do about other programs coming out of the day? No, I do not. But for them, this was a meaningful step because it was their first major test. And when you go back to last year, their first major test, I did not think Nebraska was because the spot Nebraska was in, this was their first major test because you already saw it like, Cincinnati did have a win against Pitt on the road. They showed some things. Now, they weren't great after that. But for them to go into this game, take care of business, and handle it the way they did, I actually thought there was some stuff there for that uh, for this team moving forward. I thought Dylan Gabriel managed the game pretty well. We'll see about the running game. Wasn't, like, overwhelmed by the running game. But for them, a solid victory on the road, especially when we consider how easy their schedule is. This was, like, the first kind of – anxiety moment for OU in 2023 and they it didn't seem like there was too much anxiety amazing performance no but taking care of business on the road after a team that lost a lot of confidence following last season definitely yes the defense does appear to be like some of the stuff they were doing last year guys they're a bit more opportunistic than they were last season next team in that window as well TCU to me are the Horn Frogs going to be a Big 12 title contender? They certainly feel like they might have the ability to get themselves back in. Whatever week one was, to me, it seems like it's a little bit in the rearview mirror for the Horn Frogs. Chandler Morris today was 23 of 32 for 261 and three scores. Amani Bailey ran the ball very effectively as did Chandler Morris. They ran for over four yards of carry, and they, you know, you take out some of the, the losses and yards or whatever, um, you know, they, they ran the ball very well. They basically got to 200 yards on the day, and they only allowed, they allowed six tackles for loss, which is sizable and two sacks. Uh, but the offense, to me, looked a lot better. And they're still getting adjusted, obviously, with Kendall Bryles. But if you look at the performances for them, the Nichols game, yeah, whatever. Houston, they took care of a team that I think is worse with a 23-point victory there. And then 34-17 today. And this game was a seven-point game at halftime. But after that, it never really got close again. TCU felt like the better team. And their defense, to me, is starting to make some meaningful improvements, right? You're going to give up some yards to SMU. That is a fact. But they forced the turnovers they needed to right? They got off the field on fourth down today and they got some big conversions of their own on their side of things. But yeah, I mean, they, you know, they forced on the two uh, interceptions and uh, I thought they were hitting a bit better. A little bit of their tackling looked a little bit better. Uh, and that's always going to kind of be iffy for them. I mean, that, that Colorado game was a joke 
of a tackling experience today. And look, they took some more penalties, but I thought they were a bit more physical than we had seen. And I felt like they've become a bit more physical as the season has gone along. And look, you get a couple coaches like Rhett Lashley this week, only 17 points. Dana Holgerson the week before, you hold them to just 13 points. So whatever happened earlier on in the season, it feels like TCU has started to shrug that off a bit. This week, West Virginia at home, which next Saturday night, a relatively competitive or compelling game and also a really good defensive test for TCU because of how good that West Virginia defense has been. I mean, the, the defense test in the offense. Uh, also, a good opportunity for TCU to keep this defense rolling. And look, the opportunities now, I mean, I know they've got West Virginia who looks a lot better at Iowa State, who they got a big win today too. And then BYU on the 14th of October at home. But there's a chance that we're looking at a TCU team through those first seven games of the season that's six and one. I think that's definitely on the table as they ripped off three straight wins, three more challenging games coming up, but nothing I don't think the Horn Frogs, you know, nothing I don't think they can't handle. And they're slowly becoming, you know, look at Texas and the job they did today, and we'll get to them in a second, but they look like maybe the most stern test left. I know Oklahoma's got better talent, you would say, but in terms of proven commodities and guys that you trust and teams that have just succeeded, this TCU team has been to a mountaintop. They've also got that victory. They've got convincing victories last year over Texas and Oklahoma. So they still have that in their back pocket. With that in mind, I kind of think about what might happen. Like that's that's the hardest game, in my opinion, left for uh for Texas. I know the Oklahoma rivalry game, most people look at that game, but that game is in Fort Worth when they play Texas later on in the season. And there's a chance, guys, when that game happens with three games left, this Texas, uh, this TCU team, they could be a just a two-loss team, or they could be seven and two. They could be a, you know, at that point in time, they could be a six and three, seven and two team. And I think there's a good chance actually there's seven and two football team, at least at that point in time. And they could be a, I mean, they're they're a real threat. They're a real threat. It feels like they're starting to improve and whatever happened week one, maybe needed to happen for the 2023 TCU Horn Frogs for them to realize what they can actually be this season. So a massive, uh, significant win for them in that game today in the Iron Skillet game over Southern Methodist University. Also big wins I mentioned for Kansas, 38-27. This one kind of hung in the balance for a little bit, but a massive second half from KU was the big difference. They outscore uh, BYU 24 to 10. And what I will say is this, is that their offense, their ability, and I actually lost time of possession here, but for them to have these long sustained drives where they're executing, they're getting first downs. They were four of eight on third down today, which is obviously uh, very good. They were efficient in the passing game. Jalen Daniels was 14 of 19, just for 130, but also for three scores. They rushed for six yards of carry. Their rushing defense was really strong. And they beat a uh, you know a team in, in, in BYU. We saw them last week when they played Arkansas. They were the more opportunistic group out of uh, out of those two teams. Well, flip it forward this week, the much more opportunistic team was uh, was KU. KU's job, is to keep that defense off the field. And when their defense is on the field, 
the one thing that we know they have, guys, is big playmakers. All right? In the back end of that defense, specifically Kenny Logan and specifically Jacoby Bryant, who both had massive plays in this game, uh, you know, forcing massive turnovers and turning those turnovers into points. Th those are things that those guys have, have done pretty well, right? Uh, and, you know, Kobe Bryant takes a fumble back before. Where have we, we, uh, where have we seen that before in a conference opener, right? We saw it last year. Jacoby Bryant picked off uh, JT Daniels against West Virginia and took it for a touchdown. Well, who else got on the act today? Kenny Logan, a 30-yard INT for a score. So it wasn't just the Kansas offense getting in on the act today. And, and you know, really you know, in that first half, it wasn't like Kansas's offense was amazing, but you see these drives that they're able to go on sometimes 10 plays, 75 yards, eight plays, 86 yards, right? 12 plays, 69 yards to get that field goal to make it an 11 point game. I mean, guys, the, Kansas has the ability to constrict the game. Even if it's like, Hey, we haven't been controlling the clock the entire game. That Illinois game, they were able to move the football. Maybe they weren't converting late on in the game, getting those, uh, getting points, but they're able to constrict the life out of games. And that's why I think while Texas has this massive advantage later on, I think Kansas has the ability to make Texas execute. I think they've got the ability to make Texas execute in a uh, in a way that I'm not sure other teams in this league have. That's why I think next week's game between KU and Texas is a really interesting challenge because of that way that KU, if it's a close game, could potentially constrict the contest and then make it that way. So look, like a dark horse Big 12 title contender was going to emerge out of this game. And I don't think BYU should be chided too much. I thought Keaton Slovis had some bad misses today. thought there were some drops that were not too good. And my God, could they not get the running game going, right? That is one thing that was very strange was to see BYU get handled up front. But they also threw the ball 51 times in this game. Slovis was 30 for 51 for 357, two scores and two picks. Now, they had to throw a lot late because they were down. But still, LJ Martin, the freshman, did not have a good day today. So Kansas getting to 4-0, like, guys, this is the time of year where Kansas is going to make their hay because as we've talked about, this Lance Leipold group, they're still building the depth they need to compete at the highest level moving forward in this league, but they're getting there. Slowly but surely, this team, this, uh, you know, this group is getting there. And Jalen Daniels having a guy like that is massive. Guys, they put up th uh, 48, 34, 31, and 38. The one thing that we know about Kansas, and I know they got two defensive touchdowns today, these guys can score the rock. By hook or by crook, they will score on you. Now, things do get challenging. At Texas next week, UCF on the 7th, at Oklahoma State after that, OU comes them after that. This next four-game stretch for them is going to show you, all right, have they leveled up at all from last season? And, and look, guys, there is a real chance that the Kansas Jayhawks, they split this thing, they can go two and two in this next month. They might be bowling by the time that we hit November. And that, it's crazy to think uh, that this program when Lance Leibold took over 
know, but you'll say, well, it's not too crazy, but bowling by November would be absolutely huge for them. All right. Also to shout out Texas guys, they rolled into Baylor today and we're just an absolute uh, hammer. They were a machine and we'll talk more about Baylor later on, but taking care of a group that you needed to take care of is, is what I wanted to see. This was not some overwhelmingly massive uh, offensive performance, you know, Quinn Ewers massive stats, but 18 of 23 for 293 and one score. Just that's, that's, that's all I wanted to see. Jonathan Brooks was really strong on the ground. They ran for four touchdowns. Even Ewers gets in on the act. They ran for over five yards a carry. Uh, Jatavian Sanders goes for over a hundred yards in the receiving game. And we'll get to Baylor more on later on in the uh, the week as we go along on the on the, on the bad shows and then the uh, you know what went wrong this weekend. But guys, this was one way traffic. It was seven three in the first quarter. By the time it was halftime, it was twenty eight to six, and the game was over. Um, and Texas defense looks like it could be the genuine article this year. They were very good at getting off the field in this game. They gave up some points, but they get off the field on third and fourth down. You combine those two together, six for 23 on the day for the Baylor Bears in those situations. And uh, Texas had only had two penalties today as well. So the Longhorns, they're cooking. Now, the one thing for them is it's that week to week. Like they had that weird game against the weird game against Rice, the weird first half, I should say. People were worried. Well, the big the big game was Bama, and they they beat the brakes off. Well, beat the brakes. They they end up stretching that one out. Weird game against Wyoming. End up getting the win, but the big one at Baylor was coming up. Bang bang! Look what happens. All right, so now you have a KU game next week, and following that, you've got Red River. So KU's kind of that in between one, folks. We have to watch. All right, a game between one that we have to watch. Uh, let's go with, so I, I, gave, I gave West Virginia a lot of credit last week. So let's go with, uh, Iowa state 34, Oklahoma state 27, Oklahoma state will feel my wrath later on in the week as they went with Alan Bowman who completed less than half of his passes at 5.8 yards per completion. Yikes. Give me some Rocco Beck, though, baby. 27 for 38, 348, three scores on the day. Jalen Knoll goes for 146 on eight catches and a score. Daniel Jackson catches two touchdowns as well. This was the effort that you wanted to see from Iowa State. I was on the pokes today, guys. A four and two day with the Big 12 bread truck picks rolling in. Uh, that puts us on the year at 13 and nine. So we're having a ni- another nice start of the season, but this was one of my favorite plays was Oklahoma state plus a three and a half. Matt Campbell rallied the troops. He showed this, that at Jack Trice stadium in conference play guys, this is still going to be an incredibly tough out when they play. OU next week on the road, it's probably not going to go well for them. But when they host TCU, when they host Kansas, when they host Texas later on in the year, it is going to be a significant challenge. They are a different team when they are away from the friendly confines. They scored seven points last week against Ohio. They put up 35 points, 34 points today 
against uh, uh, against Oklahoma State. Rocco Becht, a guy that did not think he was going to be the starting quarterback, thrust into this position due to the betting scandal that affected Iowa State. It is great to see them rally the way that they did, and I'm happy, but I will tell you this. And I thought about this quote a lot this week. I am a Game of Thrones fan. I thought about the scene where they're beyond the wall and Beric is talking to John and says, death is the first enemy and the last enemy. We must fight. We will not find much joy while we were here, but we must fight. That is how I felt watching this game today because this felt like no matter what, like I, we were not going to find much joy in the contest, but we still had to do it because we are Big 12 fans. You know what? I was pleasantly surprised because Rocco Becht, watching him play today, actually gave me considerable joy watching this game. So shout out to Rocco Becht, shout out to Iowa State, 1-0 in the conference, tied to the top of the league, give them their flowers. All right, also, in the Big 12, let us go with your, mine, and our West Virginia Mountaineers, 20, Texas Tech, 13. Now, in this game, Tyler Shuck goes down. Baron Morton was 13 for 37 for 158 and one score. The West Virginia defense. Guys, it, we talked about this with Neil Brown. If he was going to save his job, it was going to be because this team took on some kind of identity. Texas Tech was two for 18 on third down. They were, uh, they, they were the beneficiary of two West Virginia turnovers. But because of how good this damn defense was for West Virginia, they were able to make Texas Tech uh, make, make them pay. And they were able to, they did not, they, they bent at times, the end of the game, that last drive, but they did not break. And now we are sitting here with a three and one West Virginia team. And once again, y'all, I'm not sure how well it goes this year for them, but they still have Oklahoma state at home. And I, right now I would, I would take West Virginia that game in a heartbeat. They've got Houston on the road. That is a really strange and weird game. They've got BYU at home. They've got Cincinnati at home. They are three wins away from a bowl game. I think a lot of people now, with the way that they're playing, showing character, I was somebody at the beginning of the year who thought, like, I'm not sure if six or seven saves his job. With the way they've played, if he can build off of this, he deserves to save his job. This team has a meaningful identity of toughness. And if you consider where folks are saying the university is financially, then he does deserve a chance to keep his job if this team has this kind of identity. Nico Marquial sucked today. He was not very good, okay? They did not throw for 100 yards. Their defense was freaking fantastic. C.J. Donaldson was toughing this son of a gun out there, and it, it was one of those weird, misty games that you saw, well, fantastic. You know, it was toughing it out, 15-48 in the score. They ran for 3.7 yards to carry. The offense was not was not great. But West Virginia, by hook or by crook, is 3-1 and one on the season. We have to take our hats off to what Neil Brown has done. He wanted to be the guy calling the plays, 
and wanted to go out swinging and they are going out swinging right now. That first month, three and one, uh, you know, they might probably gonna be three and two after they play TCU, but I, I expect them to fight. I think that TCU probably wins and covers, but I expect them to make it a fight and them being West Virginia because of the job that Neil Brown is doing Texas tech. We will talk about you, but we will not do it today because we're all positives and smiles right now. K state 44 UCF 31. This was not going well for K state for a hot minute, but uh, Will Howard injured and banged up, toughs it out. The line, though, the line for K-State finally shows up. K-State runs to the tune of seven yards a carry. They rush for 280 yards, and they put up say that's seven, six, six rushing touchdowns. DJ Giddens goes for over 200 yards and four scores. Will Howard, little gimpy, but he finds the end zone twice. And look, this game was a one-score game as we got later on into the contest. They put that thing out of reach. In the fourth quarter, uh, it was a one-score game. Uh, but they, but uh, UCF, uh, or excuse me, uh, K-State strikes, makes it 37 uh, you know, with four minutes left, they get the ball back again. They make it, uh, they get in the end zone shortly after, uh, Will Howard gets in there and you know, that's, that's all she wrote at that point in time. It ended up being a 20 point game, but they extended that thing late. It was in the balance defense bows up and really only like one meaningful touchdown in the second half of this game. I will say for UCF and we'll talk like, I just want to mention this. Timmy McClain is out there and I, I really like what we're seeing from the lefty. I think he's doing a pretty good job, all things considered. Is it perfect? No, but we know that the one thing about UCF that's going to actually keep them in games is like they've got guys like Kobe Hudson. They've got these like really good playmakers. I think give them, you know, and, and RJ Harvey wasn't amazing, but he scores twice. So they've got these playmakers that keep them in games and I think make it easier if there is a quarterback change like it was. But K-State needed to get back on the board of the win. Wasn't always pretty but they end up doing that. And I thought the second half defense was really, really good. And then Houston's back on track. The big thing from Houston's win over Sam Houston state is uh, the right tackle, just blowing chunks out there on the field. But look, Dana Holgerson's team had to get a big win in this game. They did. Then minus 11 was free money. This is the best that our guy Donovan Smith has looked so far this year, but Parker Jenkins goes for over a hundred yards and three scores in the day. And this was much more convincing then uh, BYU's win over them was Sam Houston's 0-3. So don't take too much from it, but Houston gets back to 2-2. Two and two. They needed this kind of game. All right, so there's your positivos for everybody today. I handed out as much of them as I did. I think I got everybody who won hitting the big ones. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. Make sure you guys find me at Josh Davis underscore. We're sweating a little bit. The AC in the apartment's not working. We're sweating it out just a little bit here. We thank you folks for watching. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Follow me on the Twitters. Like the video. Let us know about how your team did this week. We'll talk to you tomorrow.